You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed. A'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Dear listeners, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show at the Voice of Islam Radio. Today is Tuesday the 3rd of October and the time is 7 past 7. Um today we have uh, three interesting segments the um the, the 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 first segment for today is time to lend a helping hand um as usual we'll we'll go through the um the news for today and then after that we'll 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 come back to the segments um in which we'll, we'll 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 go through the news and then we'll come back to the segments um in today's news for the headlines the newspaper headlines tory rebellion as sunak brings axe down on hs2 Many of Tuesday's papers are dominated by the growing concerns people have about the government's plans for HS2. The Guardian says Rishi Sunak is being accused of cancelling the future with his expected climb down over the rail project. The Prime Minister The Prime Minister is preparing to announce the cancellation of HS2's multi-billion pound leg to Manchester it adds. It's mank robbery is a metro's headline with the paper focusing on the fury that Greater Manchester Mayor Andy Burnham has exp- has expressed about HS2. He told reporters on Monday that this conservative conference will be remembered as the one when they pull the plug on us the i reports that there is already rebellion inside the prime minister's party but adds that number 10 is insists no final decision has yet been made as well as reporting the axing of the second phase of hs2 between birmingham and manchester the paper understands the northern powerhouse rail project between liverpool and hull could also be at risk The Times also goes big on the second day of the Tory conference telling its readers that Mr Sunak has brought an axe down on HS2 in the north. An unnamed source who the paper describes as being familiar with the prime minister's thinking says the project was based on old assumptions and that the covid pandemic has changed the nature of travel. There is also a large image of business secretary Kemi who used her own speech to tell delegates that the UK is the best country in which to be black. Miss Kemi's conference speech is a focus of the Daily Mail which says the minister used her tub-thumping speech to blast the Labour Party's woke views and for using Brexit to repeatedly talk down Britain. A large image of the actress Helen Mirren also appears on the front page. after she appeared in the beauty brand L'Oreal show at Paris Fashion Week. The Financial Times warns that Mr Sunak faces mounting protests over the HS2 row. 
He also reports that when asked, aides to Ch uh, Chancellor Jeremy Hunt did not deny that he had already approved a radical scaling back of the rail project. But the main story is former US President Donald Trump's appearance in a Manhattan court at the start of a civil fraud trail against him and his eldest sons. An image of Mr. Trump inside the courtroom alongside his legal team sits atop the page. A photo of former Prime Minister Liz Truss laughing sits at the centre of Tuesday's Daily Telegraph. She gave a speech at the Conservative Conference on Monday in which she called for the government to cut taxes and build new homes. Cartoonist Matt Pritchett's take on Miss Truss' hot ticket appearance is a drawing of someone outside a water company asking when the party will stop all these outpourings from Liz Truss. The paper's lead story is about government plans supposedly going to be announced by Health Secretary Steve Barkley later today to ban transgender women from female hospital wards. The Daily Express takes a positive view on the plans Mr Sunak is expected to set out in his conference speech on Wednesday. He is planning a series of bold announcements that will focus on what is best for Britain. The paper writes, Elsewhere there is a tribute to Francis Lee, the Manchester City and England footballer, who died on Monday aged 79. Another tribute for Mr Lee sits atop the Daily Star. Underneath that is an entirely different news story about an escaped deaf pet skunk whose residents of Christchurch, Dorset are being told to keep an, out for, keep an eye out for. She is capable of spraying and is fully loaded and frightened of strangers. Sky the skunk's owner, Sharon, tells the paper the spray is stinky when it happens but it is such a rare, rare, rarity. The Sun leads on Strictly Come da uh, Dancing judge Shirley Ballas online troll terror. Ms Ballas tells the paper that death threats plus violent and sexual messages left her scared to leave her home. Elsewhere, there is a mention of the Tory row over HS2, which the paper says overshadowed day two of the party's conference in Manchester. The Times reports that Rishi Sunak is likely to announce the scrapping of HS2 from Birmingham to Manchester in his party conference speech tomorrow. The Guardian says an emergency cabinet meeting will be held at the conference to approve what it calls the biggest infrastructure climb down in, gen in, in, in a generation. The I reports Northern Powerhouse Rail links to Liverpool and Hull may also be at risk because its construction is reliant on parts of HS2. Meanwhile, the Daily Mail quotes Meanwhile, the Daily Mail quotes a conservative source as saying Mr Sunak is ready to have the argument about the issue as he is making sure the government is not just throwing good money after bad. The Daily Telegraph reports that Health Secretary Steve Barclay when announced plans to ban transgender women from ho female hospital wards in England. Under the changes, trans patients would be housed in separate accommodation to bring back what Mr. Barclay describes as a common sense approach to sex and equality within the NHS. The paper says he also plans for a return of sex specific language expelling terms 
such as chest feeding instead of breastfeeding, and guidance referring to pregnant people rather than women. The Times says, People could soon be given full access to Britain's passport database to help catch thieves and shoplifters. It quotes Crime and Policing Minister Chris Phillip as saying footage from CCTV or doorbell technology would be compared against facial images to help officers find a match at the click of a button. The Guardian says civil liberties groups have described the plans as authoritarian. It quotes one campaign. It quotes one campaign group warning it would be uh, Orwellian to have police scan people's faces and trawl through their personal information as they go to buy a pint of milk. The Financial Times says that the head of the IMF has backed reforms that could give Beijing more voting power in the fund. In an interview, Cristela Georgievia tells the paper that the institution should represent changes in the global economy, which include the rise of China. The country has been criticised by creditors for hampering debt relief deals, and the paper says the US, the IMF's largest shareholder, has signalled it would veto an expansion of Beijing's voting rights. The I reports that up to 200,000 people will be regularly tested as part of a major COVID study aimed at tracking the spread of the virus this winter. It says the survey will involve 32,000 lateral flow tests a week being sent out to volunteers. The study, led by the UK Health and Secretary Agency and the Office for National Statistics, will run from November to March and operate in a similar way to a previous ONS study, which was scrapped. And the Mirror carries out a study about how daily tea drinkers could be reducing their chances of developing type 2 diabetes by 28%. It quotes the findings from Adelaide University, but points out a weakness. Most in the study drank a healthier type of Chinese dark tea rather than black tea with milk that Britons consume. Nevertheless, the paper claims there's diabetes hope. And with that, for um, the latest for weather forecast for the UK uh, for today, um, you know, we are seeing that today mo- much of the UK will see a patchy cloud and sunny spells, but there will also be scattered showers at times, um, falling locally, heavy in places. Showers are less likely in the east, turning breezy. Tonight, the north will turn cloudy, and Scotland will see heavy rain sp- spread southwards. A few showers may also push into western areas, mostly dry and clear to the south and east. Uh, tomorrow, the south on Wednesday, uh, the south will stay dry, will stay dry with sunshine periods, but much of the north will be cloudy with outbreaks of heavy persistent rain moving in from the west. A windy day for many, and um, Thursday will become cloudier for all. Northern and central areas will see outbreaks of rain, but the south will be mainly dry, trending warmer. Similar conditions on Friday, with the north staying wet and unsettled whilst the south continuing dry with hazy sunshine. Saturday will become dry, warm and sunny for most. Only the far north may see cloud and rain linger for a time. 
And with that, we are coming to an end to the new segment. Um, we'll, 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 dear listeners, we will head for a short break and uh, do join us uh, after the short break in which we'll continue um, with the first segment. The best among you is the one who learns the Quran and teaches it. Persecuted for your beliefs, jailed for your faith, and exiled from your homeland, but you refuse to turn to bitterness or vengeance. Instead, His Holiness has emerged as a leader of wisdom and compassion, a champion of nonviolence among nations. No society can truly succeed unless it guarantees the rights of all of its peoples, including religious minorities. Whether they're Ahmadiyya, Muslims in Pakistan, or Baha'i in Iran, or Coptic Christians in Egypt. I would like very much to confirm my support for the work that His Holiness and the Ahmadi Muslim community are doing, particularly in London. Even I didn't know when I was elected, then my name even will be proposed. The election is the same as the Pope is elected, but without smoke. I know you are a regular uh, visitor and speaker to parliaments and assemblies around the world, whether it's the US Congress or the, or the European Parliament. Let it be clear that I am not speaking in support or favor of any particular individual country. What I wish to say is that all forms of cruelty, wherever they exist, must be eradicated and stopped, regardless of whether they are perpetrated by the people of Palestine, the people of Israel, or the people of any other country. In this we are allied with His Holiness, a courageous champion of religious freedom and of peace. I'm very glad that the movement like yours will do something to correct this image. Islam means peace. I should thank Your Holiness for your highly enlightened sermon, not only for the Ahmadis, but I would say for all mankind. Love for all and hatred for none. And this message not only for Muslims, but for everybody. You are a man, though of humble beginnings, your leadership has made you a figure of global prominence. And you have become a guide for millions of Muslims worldwide. Simplified answers to frequently asked questions. What is the difference between Ahmadi Muslims and non-Ahmadi Muslims? This needs a very lengthy answer, but briefly, the main difference is in the belief concerning the advent of the Imam Mahdi, the Prince Messiah, and the reformer of the latter days. Non-Ahmadi Muslims expect that he will be sent by God in fulfilment of the prophecies of the Holy Prophet and are waiting for his advent. On the other hand, Ahmadi Muslims believe that his advent has already taken place and that the prophecies were fulfilled in the person of Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadian, who also claimed that his advent fulfilled the prophecies that were mentioned in the scriptures of different religions about the coming of a reformer in the latter days. The followers of these religions, including non-Ahmadi Muslims, are still waiting for his advent. As for Ahmadi Muslims, as a result of believing that his advent has already taken place, 
they enjoy many blessings that other Muslims are deprived of. For example, Ahmadi Muslims enjoy the institution of Khilafat, which means that they are all united under one leadership and are escorted by a guided spiritual leader, while other Muslims remain divided and they disagree amongst themselves concerning many issues. Also, Ahmadi Muslims follow the true teaching of Islam as a result of following the teachings of the reformer of the age. The very important difference between the two is that Ahmadi Muslims believe in a living God whose attributes remain the same at all times, while other Muslims believe that some of his attributes have become idle. For example, his speech with his sincere servants. They think that he used to speak in the past, but for some reason, at the present time, he has stopped communicating with his servants through revelations. Taqwa is a tree that should be planted in the heart. The very water which nourishes taqwa irrigates the whole garden. Taqwa is a root without which everything is meaningless, and if it remains intact, then nothing is lost. What benefit is there for a man in indulging himself in the useless activity of claiming with his tongue that he seeks God while he has no sure footing with his Lord? Look, I say to you truly and sincerely that ruined is he whose faith is tainted by even a hint of worldliness. Hell is very close to that soul, all of whose intentions are not for God, rather some of them are for God and others are for the world. Thus, if you have an iota of worldly adulteration in your intentions, all your worship is in vain. In such a case, you do not follow God, rather you follow Satan. Never ever expect that when you are in such a condition, God will help you. Rather, in this condition, you are a worm of the earth, and soon you will perish just as worms of the earth do. And God shall not be in you, rather he will be happy to destroy you. But if you, in reality, die by killing your baser selves, then you shall appear in God, and God shall be with you. The Holy Prophet ﷺ foretold of a prophet, one which would be the second coming of Jesus Christ, a Mahdi, a reformer, who would revive Islam and lead it forward into a new era of success. The Holy Prophet ﷺ requested his companions to convey his salam to this reformer of the new age. He said, when you hear the advent of the Mahdi, then enter into his fold, even if you have to walk on snow by crawling and creeping to reach him. The role and sole purpose of this subordinate prophet was made clear. He would revive Islam, unite all its sects, and establish a Khilafat which would strengthen Islam and lead it forward into a new age. I give you the glad tidings of Mahdi who will be raised in my Ummah at a time of digression and distress of people. He will fill the earth with equity and justice as it is filled with oppression and violence. But how could this promised man recognize that he was the one? It could only be through a revelation from God and this revelation was received by the noble and humble Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad in 1891 in a small town of Qadian to the east of Damascus. It is now the duty of every Muslim to come forward and accomplish the appeal of the Holy Prophet to join in to the fold of this Prophet, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad the Reformer, the Mahdi, the Promised Messiah. I call to witness God Almighty who holds my life in His hand, that compared to every other soul, He has gifted me with overwhelmingly greater ability and access to the understanding and the deeper wisdom 
of the Holy Quran. If any of the Malvis who oppose me, in response to my repeated invitations, had attempted to outshine me in the exposition of the Holy Quran, God would have most certainly frustrated his attempts and exposed his ignorance. Hence, the understanding of the Quran which has been granted me is a sign of Allah, the Glorious, and I have full trust in Allah's grace that soon the world will begin to see that I am true in this claim. Use your senses to find God. God must be found. Use your ears to hear his sound. Look up, look down, the sky, the ground. Look left, look right, look all around. God is with us wherever we look. He gave us the answers in the perfect book. So recite in the name of thy Lord who created. For your obedience he has patiently waited. See, God is with you everywhere. The bed, the stairs, the floor, the chair. Don't be disobedient. Please take care. He hears and sees all. Don't forget he's there. So next time you think about committing sin, just remember you're letting the devil in. This life is not just about worldly pleasure. The hereafter is where you'll find real treasure. So use your senses and use your sense. Ignorance is not a valid defense. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi it should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer, he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for his servants, that they should first acknowledge him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. A'uzu billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to the breakfast show at the Voice of Islam Radio. So today we have um, segment one, which is the best sleeping position. Um, Followed by segment two, which is the role of teachers in education and Islam. And then we'll have segment three, which is mindfulness and the better life. Dear listeners, um, if you would like to call in and and uh, speak to us about any of the segments, any of the topics to share your views or your opinions, 
The number is 02086877878. Or you can tweet us, um, and our, vo- our, our, our Twitter handle is at Voice of Islam UK. Um, so, Daniel, uh, if you could just um, uh, start off with, with, with segment one and, and tell us the gist of the story for the best sleeping position. Yeah, very, very interesting topic as well. So the best sleeping position, um, a study of BBC says that uh, it found that people who sleep on their right side do better than those who sleep on their left side. And those who sleep on their back, lying on your side, helps to clear the upper airway and prevents the uvula, the fleshy bit that hangs down in the back of your you know, throat. Mm, yeah. And and the, and the tongue um, from obstructing the throat, uh, leading to less snoring. Indeed, in some cases, a move from sleeping mainly on your back to mainly sleeping on your side um, has been shown to solve the problems of sleep apnea together altogether. Right, uh, Mobiles, Do you know somebody you know who snores, or do you have any experience? Um, um I mean, yeah. I mean, generally. You know, when you when you when you're, when you're yeah. what I've seen and what I've experienced is when you're really tired, you tend to yeah, snore really then the yeah. most. Even myself. So even myself, when I don't usually snore. Yeah. Uh, but then I have my family lets me know that yeah, you know, last night you were snoring really loud. Even if I had a nap during the day, which is not usual for me, um, I, I I do get told that yeah, you were snoring. And I have uh, a family who, who who do snore as well. Yeah. Uh, so much so that you can hear them in the other room. I mean, when we were in the because when we studied at the seminar in at the Jamia Hudia, um, we had a few um, roommates, and and they were loud. Uh, their snores you could <laughs> you could hear them, uh, you could hear them from 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 one floor to the other floor. Yeah. Um, but that's how. What about yourself? Uh, yeah, there's very interesting, you know, story. Um, you know, this last weekend uh, we have uh, our uh, youth, um, um, our youth organization. It ha- they have their um you know you can say that ishtama um this weekend and uh, i was sleeping um uh, in the hall and there's just one person in the whole uh, area who was snoring hmm. and who was and that person was lying beside myself <laughs> and uh yeah that was uh, one of the night which i have to spend and uh, um clearly i wasn't able to sleep and uh, and, um, and where, how were you sleeping? What was your sleeping position at that time? Uh, <laughs> I kept on changing my position. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. But, uh, you know, very surprisingly, uh, before that, uh, while my time in um, Jamia, um, uh, I have one roommate who snores like you can get uh, frightened if you listen to her, hear his snoring. <laughs> And uh, you know, surprisingly, uh, surprisingly, uh, I can sleep in that snoring. But during that day, just a couple of nights ago, I wasn't able to sleep. So yeah, um, snoring kind of gets become uh, one of the big issues. Uh, I even if you see in the UK, mm. I think one of the problem of snoring is uh, because of obesity. I think. Um, and uh, well, um, as we're speaking about the, the the best sleep sleeping position, can you tell us how did um, experts do the research on the best position to sleep in 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 several countries? Then, 
Um, yeah, and um, for example, few large scale studies has been, has been conducted, um, okay. but mostly small scale. And uh, in Hong Kong, um, researchers are developing a blanket accommodative uh, sleep posture classification system, which uses uh, infrared deep uh, depth cameras that detect sleep position. And mm. in De- Denmark, researchers used um, motion sensor detectors. Um, attached to participants before sleep to establish, you know, um, favored sleeping position. Um, the older people were, um, then more time they spent on their side. <clears throat> and uh, uh, in Nigeria, for example, in Africa, research has been conducted uh, into the sleep patterns of welders um, on container ships. And those who slept on their backs were more likely to suffer back pains and than those who slept on mm. their sides. And, um, you know, it reminded me uh, one of my incident um, that uh, once I got a very severe back pain and uh, someone, I would rather someone, I would say that there were many people who recommended me that uh, you should sleep uh, on the floor rather than on on the mattress on the mattress, and yeah. on your side. Right. But <laughs> the situation got worse and worse. <laughs> 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 and then I have to come back on on uh, mattress. Uh, but now, yeah, I try to sleep on my right side. And but on I, the mattress, right? Yeah, yeah on the mattress. <laughs> And then, as we were discussing the researches from different uh, countries, so in Western Australia, researchers monitored uh, volunteers' bedrooms using auto automatic cameras, and those who said they woke up with a with a stiff neck spent more time sleeping in uh, in provocative side sleeping positions, uh, was sleeping on their sides but in twisted positions, and. And people who slept in a in a um, straighter um, in a straightener, um, more supported side positions had less neck pain. Mm. But you know, the stories are coming from in my mind. And <laughs> just again, just a couple of day, uh, days ago, I was sleeping uh, with my fan on. You know, I kind of habit to turn my fan on, even it's minus two outside. So why is that? I don't know. Just a habit. Right. And the fan is facing you at night. Yeah, and I've got that stiff neck that night. (laughs) So, what about you? No, my mind's fine. Uh Um, uh, Even now, I had a a nice and blessed, (laughs) blessed sleep. (laughs) Can't complain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, sometimes. Sometimes that happens, but it's very rarely where you you end up waking up on the wrong side of the bed and um, you feel like maybe you were in an awkward position. Hmm. But I believe that these things, it's just my opinion, it just depends on how tired you are from the day before. Um, If you you are tired enough, Hmm. then you will have a relaxed, good sleep. Um, Yeah. And if you are not, you know, if you haven't done something throughout the whole day which is going to exhaust you, yeah. then when you get into your bed, then no matter how you sleep, what you do, mm. you're going to be fatigued even with your sleep. Mm, um, yeah. And then it also depends on how much you sleep and the quality of your sleep as well. All these things, I believe, they they help in, in regards to, um, you know, 
how you're sleeping and if you know if 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 you're not sleepy mm-hmm. you're going to be twisting and turning in the bed throughout the whole night um, you'll be on one side the other side mm-hmm. uh, you'll be on your front on your back you'll be you you you'll be everywhere but if you're um tired then you just fall asleep yeah. in a position and you wake up in the in that position the key point is to to get tired during the day yeah and get, <laughs> to get exercise exactly <clears throat> and again then in uh, portugal um the researchers uh, researchers says that older people um taking part in fitness program those with um, back pains advised to sleep on side uh, those with neck pains advised to sleep on backs uh, 4 week later uh, 90% claim their pains were reduced but this this study used a very small sample size of just 20 people okay so different positions for different uh, people depending on um, what they are going through and and obviously like the report showed that it depends on what kind of work like i mean mm-hmm. um <clears throat> now people that are that are hard laborers yeah um despite them being tired right mm-hmm. uh, i mean in nigeria they were, they were, they were, you mentioned about some welders um they would sleep on their back yeah um i can imagine what kind of tough jobs they must have and and the circumstances they're going through mm-hmm. but despite sleeping on the backs they were they were having more uh pains uh than compared to people not sleeping on their sides so mm-hmm. obviously there is there is a uh, science behind it and there is um there is there is something going on with everyone in regards to um so is what we're saying is just a bit of an opinion yeah so then all the sleeping um positions you know do they affect the sleep quality and our health yes yeah, certainly as uh, we are discussing that um I know we mentioned it earlier yeah. yeah so again um small study on sea um fares working uh, on merchant container ships respiratory dis- disturbances for example snoring were um more common in those who sleep on their backs and some snoring caused by uh, severe obstructive sleep apnea uh, where breathing stops and starts while mm. sleeping and that's the exact um, same uh, thing which you know when i experienced with my last one of my last roommates um, in your hostel life okay yeah in my hostel life uh, he kind of you know uh, his um, while he takes his breath out okay it kind of get like takes 3 to 3 seconds to get his breath back back again oh no way and kind uh, oh. of get get me frightened yeah that's imagine that's so scary what are you supposed to do if you don't he <laughs> yeah. take a breath back in <laughs> yeah, on my first day sleeping uh, with my that roommate uh, <laughs> i was in total shock <laughs> i got scared and I bet you were all night just praying <laughs> yeah. that god just keep him alive make it through the night yeah so um that's, that's 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 actually very worrying and scary literally I mean, yeah at the moment when we think about it you, you might laugh but it's it's not a laughing matter that's that's very yeah. s- serious and um tough on people as well at the same time yeah certainly because you doesn't know that even such things you know exist um you might know that this is kind of situation where um you know you have to deal with this um, it is it is what it is mm. but it was my first day experience and you know i got scared literally but obviously that that goes out for all the listeners as well that yeah. if you are suffering from this then make sure to 
um, see your doctor straight away. Let them know. Make them aware. Make them aware so that mm-hmm. help can be given to you. Yeah. And if you know of any relatives or any friends, family that um, maybe because sometimes you don't know what you're doing when you're sleeping, right? So if you know that, yeah, we have someone who's who's who sounds like this when they're going to mm. sleep, then they should tell them, let them know, and help them get some some sort of uh, medical care, yeah. some sort of treatment, uh, so that you know they can make their lives more better. And and it all comes down to making our lifestyles more a bit more healthier. Mm. Um, yeah, and 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 we we need to work on that as well at the same time. Certainly, I think all our um, it depends on how we you know um, take the things uh, like diet and exercise with our daily day to day life. So, <clears throat> so by contrast, it has been shown that uh, lying on sides uh, sides helps to clear upper airway and prevent uvula and tongue from obstructing the throat, leading to less snoring. So yeah, snoring a big issue. Uh, we need to tackle this. We need to get aware um, why it is like this. And um, yeah, this is exactly the platform we are using to aware uh, not only our uh, listeners, our audience, but also ourselves as well. So uh, <coughs> uh, mobiles, uh, if you can tell us uh, based on on research. Um, what is the best sleeping position according to uh, health science? Well, um, after you what you just mentioned with, with with everything going on, yeah, um, with the research and and the observations that were made, um, another small um, study was was carried out, yeah. and in which um, people could sleep however they preferred. Hmm. Those that uh, slept on their right hmm. slept better than than those on the left. Um, obviously, followed by those on their backs. However, uh, it depends on how you sleep on your side as well. Hmm. The uh, research in Western Australia, um, as it's mentioned above, showed that it was better for those who slept on their right sides, but in a straighter, uh, more supported position. Right? They reported to have less neck pains mm-hmm. um, sometimes for medical reasons it is better to sleep in a in a certain position um, during acid reflux where um, gastric juices you know when they come up from the stomach and cause intense burning in the chest you know mm-hmm. sleeping on your backs using um, uh, uh, pillows or, or, or sleeping on the left side may help uh, sleeping on the left keeps the the junction between the stomach uh, and oesophagus uh, above the level of the gastric acid, not allowing it to to escape as well. Mm. Um, so, the benefits of sleeping on our right, you know, the the, the results from a two thousand and three study mm. suggests sleeping on the right side can help people with heart heart conditions um, due to less pressure on the heart because. When you're yeah. sleeping on the left, the liver and everything pushes onto your heart at night. Um, so on the right, it obviously stays higher and, and it stays um, relaxed. Results also su- suggested that uh, right uh, side sleeping helps stabilize blood pressure and, and, and heart rate as well. Danielle, if you can explain, give a bit of a narrative from from the Islamic perspective as well on in regards yeah. to sleeping on the right and, and what Islam teaches us. I mean, you have um, said many things regarding the uh, to sleep on the right side, uh, the health benefits of it. 
And um, if we talk about through Islamic uh, lens, uh, we see that 1400 years ago that the Holy Prophet said that when you go to bed, do do your wudu as if for prayer, then lie down on your right side. And um, there's, uh, if you see, uh, in essence, if we talk about Islam, we see that um, Islam, you know, uh, emphasizes, stresses on doing everything with with your right side, mm. on your right side. Even when you are eating, uh, the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessing Allah be upon him, has said that try to eat with your right hand. Mm-hmm. Side. Yeah. And uh, if you're giving something to somebody, uh, try to give it from your right hand. And if you and receive something from your right, yeah, well. again yeah. from your right side, and there's a big blessing in it. Not only big blessing in it, then again we see that there are many scientific uh, benefits in it, and same goes with uh, our uh, today's topic um, that sleeping on the right side is much uh, better position than on any other position. So <clears throat> we see that there is big emphasis in Islam to do things with right side, right hand side, or do on the uh, and start giving. For example, uh, when Holy Prophet uh, used to sit in a in a gathering, yeah. and if he have to d- uh, divide something, uh, for example, food, he start from his right hand side. You start from the people on his right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So there are many examples like this. So we can understand um, by these few examples uh, that the the importance of doing things with the right hand side. Uh, I mean, another, yeah, sure, sure, you can say. I mean, um, as you mentioned that, it, it, you know, we, we find out from from um, the, the 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 recordings of his of his companions and mm. from um, his 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 wife as Aisha may Allah be pleased with her. That he would lay down, um, on, on you know he would he would lay down and then he would uh, he, he what he used to say was that when you go to bed, yeah. uh, do ablution as if you're getting ready for prayer, mm. and then lay down on your right side. Yeah, um, and that is something that he said himself, mm. uh, you know, fourteen and a half hundred years ago, and that was back then. Back then, like there was no ages ago in the desert, in of, the Arabia. desert of Arabia, where there's no uh, right, there's no science, there's no, um, there's no, there's no medical studies at that time, like and we're having right the people, now. They were like literally illiterate, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how amazing is that? How beautiful is that? Yeah, and he's taught his whole community, he's taught everybody following him. Mm. Um, to sleep on his right, which we are learning from science right now. What I mean, he told us first things in that era, which we are discovering. Uh, and this right is now. this is one of them, and that's why we having this as a segment on the yeah. show. Yeah. And while he, he, he used to sleep on his right hand side, um, he used to kind of um, do many prayers, and one of the specific prayer he used to do is Allahumma bismika mutu wahya. And that means that in the name, in your name, O Allah, I die and I live. And when he used to wake up, then again he used to do that certain prayer, uh, one of the prayers, that Alhamdulillah, uh, which means that all praise is for Allah, who gave us life after having taken it from us, and unto him is the resurrection. So, 
one of the customs of the Holy Prophet, uh, may peace and blessing of Allah be upon him, was that in every moment in his life he used to remember Allah, mm. God Almighty. And um, the main purpose or objective for doing this, which I understand, is that um, the more you are grateful to God Almighty, the more he will bless you. Yeah. So, even, you know, when you're sleeping, you don't know what's going to happen to you. There are many reports which says that many people die uh, in their in sleep. sleep. It happens. Yeah. I mean, we know personally so many people that, oh, he, he was healthy, he was fine, he met us last night, and then he yeah. just went to sleep in the morning, he just didn't wake up. Even the, the, the many persons are healthy, you know, they don't have any, any symptoms, yeah. kind of. Yeah. So, you know, you, should, you need to be grateful to Allah what he has given to you. So a big uh, blessing which That's why we're taught that um, I mean the, 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 the meaning of life is to make our bond closer with, with, with our right. creator yeah. uh, to, to get closer to him, to pray mm -hmm. to him for our forgiveness and, and for a better life in the hereafter um, And that's why we, you know, like you mentioned the two prayers of when we're going to sleep and we're waking up That's what we were taught by the Holy Prophet of Islam Certainly. Um, so that we have more faith and we are uh, more determined to get closer with our Creator as well and, and see him as a um, respective and, and a more loving figure, a mm. God to figure. So certainly, so in natural, each each moment is, is, a, is a reminder for us that there is a Creator above us, you know, who has created us. We need to be grateful to him. <clears throat> then again, you know, um, other um, there are many verses in the Holy Quran and many narrations we found in the, uh, regarding the sayings of the Holy Prophet that which says that, for example, those who remember Allah while standing, sitting, and lying on their side, and uh, it is in the Holy Quran, chapter three, verse one ninety two. So this verse explains that we should pray while standing, and if you can. If we cannot pray whilst uh, standing, then we can pray while sitting. And even if we can't do that, then we can pray lying on our side. How beautiful is that? Yeah. How beautiful is Islam that gives you leniency in the worst case scenarios for I mean, yourself? Those people who say that uh, Islam forces everything. Clearly in Islam, in, in the Holy Quran, it says that there is no compulsion in religion. Yeah. For example, if you're not feeling well, you can sit down and pray. And even that, if you're not feeling that well, then you can even uh, keep on lying and, and do your prayer. Um, we have a small clip uh, which is is about, is it possible to remember God even while sleeping? And because we are on the mm. topic of remembering God while going to sleep, I really want to play this clip. So dear listeners, do join us after this short clip. says, that he remembers Allah even while he is asleep. He says, my eyes go to sleep, but my mind does not, and I keep remembering Allah. So even if, if it, one remembers Allah in complete full sleep, if he is half awake, why shouldn't he be considered as remembering Allah? So that was a very short clip um, by His Holiness and uh, very beautifully explained. And um, <clears throat> as you know, uh, we were mentioning uh, regarding praying um, while sitting, standing, and lying down. Yeah. What was the, what was 
for the listeners, can you tell us what was um, so we mentioned that the Holy Prophet of Islam, uh, when he was when he would go to sleep, um, he would recite that one prayer and then he would, the waking up. But there were there were more things that he would do. There's more narrations from his wife, as Aisha, as that we know, that he would uh, uh, say to read this prayer, that prayer, and what could you, could you yeah, explain that for so the listeners? So there's very very famous narration. We say that that when he is about to go asleep. Uh, he would um, um, he would cite uh, Surat Ayatul Kursi, uh, Surat Ikhlas, Surat Falak, and um, Surat Nas, and the last three um, um, surahs of the Holy Quran. And um, if I just read out that very specific um, um, narration. Uh, it is from Hazrat Aisha, may, be, may Allah be pleased with her, narrates that when the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would lie down every night on, on his bed, he would raise his hands in the supplication position and pray. He would recite chapter Al-Ikhlas, uh, chapter Al-Falak and chapter um, Surah An-Naz. And, and these, these uh, three um, uh, specific verses are very short, like each verse is like maybe two or three lines mm. and uh, then he uh, blow on his um, palms and uh, wiping his hands over his blessed body where they could reach and uh, <clears throat> again um, new studies shows that sleeping on the right hand side is better can reduce the risks uh, if we're talking about through the scientific um, uh, side it can reduce risk of um, having heart diseases due to pressure and um, studies have shown that around 16% um, of people usually sleep on their stomachs with their arms around their pillows wise how many pillows do you take while sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> but yeah, for me, the comfortable position is is, is the, the the arm around the pillow, um, and with under under my under my head. Uh, that is the best the best sleeping position for me. I mean, I have seen people that they are they get two or three pillows under their uh, um, head. Two or three pillows under their arm, two or three pillows under their, you know, legs, between their legs. And you know, they help. Yeah. They actually help. You know, if somebody's got knee issues, uh -huh. um, then having having a pillow under under the knee hmm. uh, can help you. Um, right. uh, throughout the day, you'll feel less pain. If, if, if you've got, if you ever have any sort of knee pain or anything to do with that, you should try putting a pillow underneath. You'll see the yeah, difference. Yeah, thank you very and much, even, I would say. Uh, even if you're laying on your on your back, you should have the pillow under mm -hmm. whichever knee you need. And if you're sleeping to your side, then you should have the pillow between your legs. Mm. And that helps reduce the the, um, the pain in, in, in between and, uh, your knees and your joints. And, and it quite helps. I've, I've tried it if I had some, uh -huh. I had an injury. And it helped my, my knee. And it I mean, I pain. play badminton, so I kind of, you know, need uh, that kind of advice uh, from somebody. Yeah, so let's see if my, uh, if my work. <laughs> and uh, so, dear listeners, we are heading towards the end of our first segment. And um, we'll come back to you in our second segment, which is, which will be regarding the role of teachers in education and Islam. Stay tuned. 
Uh, do join us after the news break, um, after this short break, which was followed yeah. by the news break, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be back to you. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Segment to the role of teachers in education and Islam. Dear listeners, um, to call in, the number is 020-8687-7878. Or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. So, education is the main fundamental right that cannot be fulfilled without qualified teachers. One of the main challenges to this right around the world is a continued shortage of teachers. International Teachers' Day has been held annually on 5th of October since 1994. It was recommended by the UNESCO in 1966, which set benchmarks regarding the rights and responsibilities of teachers and standards for initial preparation and further education, recruitment, employment and teaching and learning conditions. So, one may ask what is the purpose of celebrating um, International Teachers Day uh, as a it, it serves as a, as, as a global reminder that uh, the right to a, st- uh, a satisfactory education also includes the, the, the right to be and to have access uh, to a, um, a qualified teacher um, Daniel if you can give a bit of um, information on the history of, <coughs> of, of International Teachers Day yeah, I'm sure. So, um, as a global reminder that the right to a satisfactory education also includes the right to be and to have um, access to a qualified teacher. Um, <clears throat> in the Holy Quran, chapter 60, verse 6, uh, it says that he taught man what he knew not. A uh, very beautiful verse. Um, one of the few verses uh, which were revealed um, um, upon the Holy Prophet, may peace and blessing Allah be upon him, in um, uh, the very few verses which were revealed uh, on on him, and this verse explains that whosoever practices the knowledge he has mastered, Allah will give him knowledge that he does not know yet, and and spread knowledge to all people that it can be known and practiced by them. You know, when someone dies, he deeds. Uh, and except for three um, dear listeners will uh, keep on with this uh, carry on with this but after um, our very esteemed guest uh, right now we have with us um, Khalid Safir um, a maths computer science and happiness teacher his happiness class are based on Islam and are free his classes are big questionanswered.com and um, uh, Khalid Safisa, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning and peace be good morning. here. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be upon you too. Khalid Safisa, sir, how does Islam emphasize the, uh, the importance of education and spreading knowledge? Well, we know that uh, Islam uh, you can see from the Quran, it, con- it constantly gets you to contemplate the world. It's not a religious text that 
required you to simply believe, mm -hmm. but to question and contemplate and look at the universe. And that's why um, the beginning of Islam, when people actually followed the Quran, mm -hmm. uh, was a, a great step in science. And we still depend on much of that science and mathematics. Even today, our number system is based on the Arabic number system because essentially Islam led science in that time. So uh, I think that speaks volumes for over a thousand years. Islam yeah. led science and encouraged people to do so, yeah. Um, certainly, as as you know, you has mentioned that Islam tell us to contemplate, um, and, and certainly, uh, certainly it says in the Holy Quran that la yadilli ulil albab, that uh, certainly uh, that in the creation of the heavens and the earth, um, there are signs, and we should mm -hmm. try to contemplate. And yeah. and um, how does you know contemporary challenges um, such as the use of technology in the classroom? Um, uh, intersect the role of of teachers in Islamic education? So, I see technology as a blessing of Allah. Nothing comes except from Allah. Mm -hmm. um, so, there's different ways of looking at it. The Quran talks about... The, you, you can see that in the Quranic <clears throat> teachings, for example, even if you delve a little bit deeply into the wording of Rahim, it means somebody, or even Rahman, Rahman, everything comes from Rahman, uh, from Allah. Uh, and Rahim is when you make use of your intelligence, Allah rewards you for that. So intelligence. Um, even we cannot claim control of our own brains. We don't think, we don't connect the neurons between them. So uh, I would say all technology is from inspiration from Allah. There's no accidents. And even if you look at, I don't want to go into it too much, but even if you look at when the combustion engine was made and the mm -hmm. finding of oil, everything coincides. It's like Allah is coordinating everything. So technology is a blessing of Allah, and it's wrong not to use it. So YouTube, for example, great, use it. We're, we're using technology right now mm -hmm. to uh, spread truth of different kinds, getting people to contemplate. So technology is very important. We should consider a blessing and be grateful for it and use it as much as we can. Of course, mm. everything can be used badly, like nuclear power. You can make a nuclear bomb or mm. you can make, you can use it for nuclear power and provide lots of very cheap electricity, you know? So yeah, certainly. That's yeah. how I see. I hope I've, un I've understood the question correctly, but that's what I understood from it. Yeah, I mean, you also have, you know, beautifully explained uh, Rahman and Rahim, the two beautiful characteristics of the of Allah Almighty, and in yeah. in context of the uh, education and knowledge, um, Islamic education uh, consists of, you know, um, both religious and other ac academic studies. How should the teachers balance those two, and and what impacts might they face, the teachers? I can, yeah, that's a very important question because you can be very intelligent but have no morality and then mm. you would use your intelligence to destroy the world um, and have no benefit, you know, like, and, and you might not intentionally do it. Um, you might, for example, think, uh, let's use interest banking system and people don't realize the damage it's doing and causing inflation and things and they don't do it by purpose, a lot of these people. So... Having some morality, having some basic understanding of the Islamic teachings can guide 
our intelligence in a proper way in so many ways. And also just generally, even if it's not, let's say, economic in, uh, economic values or, I don't know, any specific values in Islam, just moral values of being good, it guides our use of technology, of our abilities and things. So, for example, um, I'm living now in Jordan where people mm-hmm. don't just stare at TVs, but they spend a lot more time with their families. So mm-hmm. we can see the West is so intelligent in so many ways, technologically and so many things, but they're so depressed. It's the, all the depression, that it seems to be coming from the West, you know, mm-hmm. not coming from the West, but uh, uh, so many people are depressed in the West despite mm-hmm. their intelligence. So. You definitely need both, otherwise that intelligence goes the wrong direction in a destructive way. It's more, it's easy to be destructive. It's hard to go uphill rather than downhill, let's say. Hi, Sophia, you have said that you are living right now in Jordan. <clears throat> so um, yeah. you might be aware, you must be aware of the Arabic term tarbiyah or, or in Urdu yeah. tarbiyah. Yeah. So it means yeah. nurture and upbringing. So how does this whole concept, you know, uh, align uh, with teachers in Islam and what responsibilities uh, do they have to shape a student's life? Because most of the time, you know, a student live or <clears throat> in, in schools, universities or colleges. Yeah. No, that's a good question. So interestingly, my mother-in-law worked in the... She just recently retired, but she worked in the Wizard of Dalim or Wata Tarbia, basically uh, education and Tarbia meaning raising, you know, like yeah. upbringing. It just doesn't just simply mean providing intellect. So I asked her, what does that mean practically? What did you do um, in that ministry to support the Tarbiya side, which is raising? And they said, basically teaching moral values like respect your parents, respect teachers and things like this. Mm. So, and you can see that like repeating lots of information since childhood has an effect on people. People really do value families. And you can see the result is that so many um families live in multi-generational households so they have huge houses mm. not because they're particularly rich but because they save their money and they prefer to live with their parents where in England you have the exact opposite um, uh, and people are living you know they hit I don't want to say hate their parents but they run away from their parents at 16 or 18 and don't see them till you know once a year in Christmas in England so I mean you can say there's more individualism in, in Western countries. Yes, absolutely. Individualism. So, yeah, there's, there's mm. even part of the Derbia in this country is they love their country. They're always waving their flags around. They know all the songs. We're not necessarily, we don't necessarily promote singing of, well, we promote singing, but mm. um, they, 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 they know everything about their nation and they love their country and there's huge flags everywhere. <laughs> you can see from miles away. Mm. So these are all part of Islam, to love your country, to love your parents, to be connected with your family. And so I think that kind of feeds into what I was saying earlier, that you need this balance of intellect and moral values, otherwise the intellect just is mm. destructive. I mean, um, you have mentioned um, the Western values and the 
um, Arab country values, or you can say the other countries. <clears throat> so they're, you know, kind of many different cultures and ethnicities, um, also in Islam. So how can teachers promote interfaith understanding or, or cultural diversity within an Islamic education? And um, mm. what can they do, the teachers can do, to have a inclusivity um, in the classroom? I think that's a very interesting question because if sometimes uh, people believe in diversity and they lose having any substance in their own culture, for example, you need... Uh, one thing that you all stand by, so for example, mm-hmm. family values. This is what I've noticed in Jordan as well. They're very hospitable and understanding of different cultures. You can do anything you want, but you need core values as well. So this, mm-hmm. is, the, this is the problem in, in England. Um, it sounds strange, but we believe in multiculturalism, which mm-hmm. is fine. Everybody have different ideas, but they don't have any culture left. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have any values left, and um, I even—I I don't think you would disagree. But yeah. um, there was a time when pe- British people were more Christian. At least mm-hmm. they had some values, and I would promote Christ- be people becoming more Christian, at least in a sense of family values, uh, sticking to their—you know—their marriages, don't get divorced all the time so quickly, you know. Go to mm. church at least so you're, there's some sort of community and talking about spiritual things, which is completely gone now. England, especially London, has become atheistic. So um, my answer would be, yes, it's good to be inclusive. Um, and the way you become inclusive is you find some... Sorry about the background noise. Um, but you need, some, you need something to agree on, something, some true values to... Um, uh, stand behind. That's how you have inclusivity. It's very easy. Um, uh, and then you can have all these other um, belief systems around it as long as they don't clash with some core values. So I think that's my main thing. That's what I've seen, especially in this country. I mean, I would agree with you um, that uh, uh, we're kind of, you know, um, getting astray from our core values or getting away from our values and which are directed uh, directly connected with the with the religion, um, whether regardless with it could be Islam or Christianity or Hinduism, it could be any religion. Uh, each religion yeah. have their own values at least, but we kind of getting mm. yeah. As long as they're good values that we can all agree on, like we might not say Hinduism, we believe we, we agree mm. on idolatry, but they might have other good values. Yeah. I think they they believe in marriage, for example. At least stand behind some good values. And lastly, um, Khalid Safir, uh, regarding your classes on happiness in Islam, what activities are carried out in them? Yeah, so what I do is I talk to Westerners mostly mm-hmm. um, in England and different countries, and I talk about topical issues in terms of relationships. In fact, I have a website, like I mentioned earlier, bigquestionsanswer.com, uh, which even Hazur really liked when he heard about it. Um, uh, and it's a different kind of way of explaining Islam. And so instead of talking about ideologies, I talk, well, let's say, Let's say, forget what I'm not talking about, but the mm. thing I am talking about, I'll give you, I'll mention this, the, I have a whole course which goes up to 33 lessons and I repeat back again, I keep repeating them mm-hmm. with these different English people. Mm. Um, let's say, 
uh, Westerners. Uh, and the first, let's say, let's say, ten topics is finding direction. What is reality? Talking about money, how to buy happiness, <laughs> uh, how to save the environment, how to work with the government. What is the secret of love? How do we know God exists? How do you find good health? What is the secret of success? And how do you develop good relationships? So all these kind of things. But then I, it's a very long course. Uh, right now, I'm kind of near the end of the current kind of uh, cycle, and I'm describing uh, how do we know the soul exists, and why do we need to know it to find happiness? Uh, so you know, so these are the kind of things I talk about, and these are all live streams recorded on. You can see any time on the website. Thank you very much for being on the show to come. Uh, on the show, uh, uh, thank you very much. Uh, I also learned very much from from your talk. Um, thank you very much, and uh, hopefully to see you in future as well. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having thank me. Thank you Jesus very much. Salam alaikum. So that was Khalid uh, Safir, who, who currently uh, doing his work in. Uh, Jordan, uh, maths, computer science, and happiness teacher. His cl happiness class are based on Islam and are free. Um, and his classes are on bigquestionanswered.com. And with this, we will move to our um, to the Islamic perspective um, and um, regarding education and knowledge. Um, and we know that Islam emphasizes so much uh, when it comes to uh, education, to educate our youth, our children, and our um, um, older brothers as well. Uh, and also, I would say, women as well. Uh, so, Mubayz... And, and, and seeing as you've gone there already, I want to play a small clip from, from His Holiness, yeah. uh, his advice to... Uh, the young girls in regards to education. So join us after this short clip. My advice to you all is that you should try to excel in your studies. And uh, all of you should try to learn as much as you can and complete your studies. If you are interested in medicine, do medicine, engineering, law, teaching, or if you want to go into research, you can go into research. You should try to excel in your education and try to gain as much education as you can. So that was um, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazam Izzam of the fifth caliph. Um, and that was his advice to the young girls of the, of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, you know, telling them to, to excel in studies, become a doctor, go into law, uh, pursue all types of education. Um, so that that is what actually Islam is, yeah. yeah? That's what the 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 teaching of Islam is, yeah. and that's what our Caliph, that's what he is leading our girls to do. That's what he's telling them that you guys need to excel in all these fields, yeah. and tell them that 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 you know this world is yours as much as it is yeah. for so-called men as well. Yeah, because they have to, you know. Um, the, the next generation, they have to make them get ready. Uh, and for this, the women need to be educated as well because they have to prepare them, the next generation. They have to prepare the uh, children. So, you know, 
Um, if we uh, go into deeply into Islam, um, the first few verses which were revealed upon the Holy Prophet um, they were regarding uh, knowledge and education. And um, <clears throat> again, um, um, in in Tirmidhi, a book of the uh, one of the narrations, uh, one of uh, the books of Ahadith. Um, the narrations in Islam, Tirmidhi, it says in it that a scholar who works in teaching um, has a higher status in the domain of the heavens. The Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings will love you upon him, you know, he has established in an excellent um, education system yeah. through which the intellectual standards of, the, of that society were raised. Mm. And a very beautiful example, uh, I would give that um, in the first battle, the battle of um, Badr, um, when um, around, I think there were 70 prisoners uh, who, were, who were prisoned um, at that time. You can mm. roughly say that. And they were asked if that, if you want to get liberated, uh, get freedom, then you can either do that uh, you can teach our children that would yeah. be the ransom for you to in uh, in in you know kind of uh, teaching our uh, children you can get that ransom yeah so very beautiful example uh, we can find uh, through the uh, teachings of the holy prophet peace and blessing Allah be upon him um then um you know um in that I mean, um, knowledge and and education is is emphasized in in Islam, like you've mentioned, right? Mm. So much so that there's a saying of the Holy Prophet of Islam, saying that whoever travels a path in search of knowledge, mm. Allah will make easy for him a path to paradise. No. Um, and again, as we were mentioning earlier as well, that the whole bent, the whole point of life is to um, create a better world and then mm. to have a better hereafter as well yeah. and all these teachings all these things are bringing us closer to our creator mm. um, to help us um, gain um, paradise you know this is the creation of God if yeah. we get to know the creation of God then we get to know the creator as well yeah and and obviously um, as it was um the, the, the advice from the Caliph to, to, to the young girls of the community We should look back in history and, and we see from Islam that Most of the teachings and, and the sayings that we um, uh, uh, We learn are from we, we, we get a lot of these teachings from uh, A female, we get them from the wife of the, of the Holy Prophet of Islam, yeah. Hazrat Aisha Right, she used to even teach the companions, you know, the, yeah. from 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 um, a point of of further of, of of being separated. There was a way that she used to teach and convey the messages and 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 the lifestyle of the Holy Prophet of Islam. I mean, if we look at the narrations we found regarding the Holy Prophet uh, we find that after Hazrat Abu Huraira, the the companion of the Holy Prophet after that, um, the most narrations we find um, from anybody are from Hazrat Aisha, the wife of the Holy Prophet. And it is in one of uh, the hadiths, it, it is said that um, 
if you um, if you le- want to learn um, want to get educated then learn half of the uh, faith um, half of the learning from uh, Aisha from my wife hmm. uh, dear listeners uh, we are getting uh, close to our the end of our second segment and um, from here we will jump on to our uh, third segment because um, we're going to have um, many guests in that segment as well so let's dive into this uh, very beautiful segment which is <clears throat> mindfulness and the better life and the gist of the story um, is that um, neuroscientists and psychologists are now discovering that we have the power to control our extraordinary ability to adapt to some extent and there is a good reason to want to improve our brain power a growing body of research suggests um, it can play a role in delaying or preventing degenerative brain diseases a very interesting topic i would say that um, as we are you know kind of um, exploring the world of uh, neurology um, we are you know discovering many new ways to improve the uh, life of um, human being and based on the report in the article where where are the results um, which talks about the result of, of a research by neuroscientists and psychologists in, in, in improving our abilities. Uh, research has found that um, after several months of mindfulness training, um, certain symptoms of depression and anxiety can subside. And although, as with any complex mental health issue, this can, of course, vary depending on individual circumstances. Um, Melissa Hogan-Bohm, a science journalist, um, told the BBC that research conducted by Professor Thorsten found that mindfulness is a simple but powerful way to improve several cognitive functions and can improve and can increase attention, relieve pain, and reduce stress and you know i would say that um this is the same answer which was given 1400 years ago hmm. in in the in the form of namaz prayer exactly and um you know um uh, it says that in the holy quran Allah certainly in the remembrance of allah you'll find um comfort and peace and uh, in 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 your hearts so uh certainly uh, that answer was given uh, 1400 years ago and um, um obviously when you are reading namaz you're offering namaz uh, you're kind of in that state of mindfulness uh, where you feel um very relaxed uh, you don't feel any kind of depression or you can you know if you have any kind of worries you present this in front of at the threshold of Allah the Almighty uh, and find the answers from him 
and in that way um, you kind of you know feel very relaxed and um, you know don't have any kind of uh, worry or in your heart so we should focus more on our mind mindfulness uh, to strengthen our faith in God because if we have faith in God because um, he's the creator um, obviously if he, if he has created us he must also have the um, um, he must also have the solution for all all of our our problems as well and obviously if you can ask him then we can find the answers then what is um, neuroplasticity and, and and how do stress um, hormones uh, work to inhibit and poison our brains if you can kind of like explain it in simpler terms for for the readers because even i don't <laughs> understand as much but you, you you'll be able to explain it to me as well uh, uh i mean um, physio neoplasticity is the brain's ability to uh, reorganize in the form of new new interconnections in the nerves so um, a kind of can't make it more simpler than this okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah and uh, plasticity is a, is a trait that uh, indicates the brain's capacity to change and adapt mm. to to function needs um, and and it has a very important role because it it can you know um, restore plum, problematic brain or organs mm. such as um, mental disorders and uh, this neuroplasticity plays a role in making the brain return to um, normal and giving a person, you know, you can say a hope for better future. Mm. Um, when, you know, kind of when you're stressed out, the part of the brain responsible for emotion processing will send signals uh, to other neurons and uh, these nerves trigger the fight or flight response giving the body a burst of energy so it can respond to perceived threats we will carry on with this uh, but right now we have with us um, our esteemed guest uh, ibrahim noonan uh, he is uh, currently serving as minister of religion in ireland uh, Assalamu alaikum Ibrahim Anun and uh, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning to um, Ibrahim Noonan, can you could you uh, explain that how mindfulness relates to the concept of taqwa? Taqwa the meaning the consciousness of Allah the the righteousness in Islam and how it can you know foster spiritual growth. <coughs> right. And the right, you know, mindfulness is something now which is... Uh, I'm sorry, right. Ibrahim, your voice is a bit unclear. I cannot hear properly. Um, if you can, if you have any problem with your phone or mic. Um, I think we have a connection problem. Um, uh, hopefully to... We get to we get connected with Ibrahim Nunan um, shortly, but uh, getting back on to our um, neuroplasticity and uh, how do stress hormones work? Um, so 
but um, I think uh, I've explained enough um, uh, regarding this specific question. So, um, in regards to our lives and mm. and mindfulness, um, can mindfulness change our lives in 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 like let's say a few weeks? Can we do something about it? Mm. You know, can we can we bring a difference to it? Can we bring a change run into it? I mean, if you want to make any habit in your life or you want to bring a change in your life, um, the obvious answer, the answers are very obvious, but um, if you want to do a certain thing, you have to be consistent with it. You have to keep on doing mm. every day. Mm. For example, if you are exercising, you can you know you know kind of just once a week and then and expect uh, to see a difference right just just uh, i'm going to hit the gym today today you know <laughs> and you go gym for 2 hours and for the next 6 or 10 days you do nothing so it's not how it, uh, the things work but right now again we are i think uh, back to ibrahim nunan sahib um assalam alaikum ibrahim nunan well, yeah you know it's a lot better than before <laughs> So do I need to repeat my question or No no I I I remember the question I think um mm-hmm. um you know mindfulness is uh, is uh, now a very modern uh method of helping people with perhaps anxieties and mental health issues oh. worries and concerns of a life mindfulness is a is a system or a method to help a person to uh become more aware of themselves become more conscious of their surroundings uh-huh. um so that's one aspect we must keep in mind that it is unfortunately in modern times a sadly a a uh, unfortunate for many people who suffer with such anxieties concerns about the future the present etc Tukra, you know, is is such a beautiful thing that um, um, at least for those Muslims who know and who are fully aware of the benefits of Tukra and and who understand what Tukra means, uh, you know, being absolutely aware of and fully conscious of uh, the divine, of, of, mm-hmm. of the divine existence of, of a divine being um, who has, uh, you know, constantly throughout the Holy Quran promise to help and protect mm. those who who believe in him. So that said, mindfulness um, has benefited people, does benefit people in the sense of uh, meditation, mm-hmm. where you might get people who, I suppose, go to places like yoga centers or they go to places where people can relax and sit and breathes and using breathing exercises and really bringing themselves back to what I understand of it is bringing a person back to hmm. um the present uh, their their present state so their 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 mind is some racing crazy and they come back to uh, to being aware of themselves so i think tukwa is something that um if a person has that relationship with god almighty they have that love for god almighty mm. um you know and trust in him then um you know tukwa can be a a a great source of comfort for someone 
mm. um, that they have absolute certainty that uh, God Almighty is, uh, you know, Almighty Allah SWT is constantly mm. uh, looking after them and uh, protecting them as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, Imam Ibrahim, um, as you know that um, in this um, past life, um, Uh, many people find it difficult to you know incorporate mindfulness in into their busy schedules so what practical tips can you offer for integrating mindfulness uh, into their daily life well you know um if there's two sides to this one is a um um how should i put it if a person is not very deeply religious mm-hmm. even though they may be a muslim they could be a muslim but not really deeply religious uh, in the sense of um they go about their daily life and yes they're conscious they're aware of god almighty but but they're really busy with doing other things and they could be in a you know a very stressful job or you know uh, anything like that mm-hmm. for me for me at least um there's two things there was one prior to my conversion to islam i mean even though i was i was a practicing christian but um, um perhaps you may know or may not know but uh, i practice martial arts i've been doing it for you know, nearly 40 years Mm-hmm. Um, so in martial arts, you know, they do a lot of meditating. There's a lot of times in classes where an instructor would sit down and in a sitting position and ask all his students uh, to de- breathe deeply, uh, relax the mind, mm-hmm. become very mindful of your awareness, and mindful of your consciousness, mindful of your, your everything that's around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that certainly can um, help a person um who may find it difficult to be conscious of themselves mm-hmm. and they're aware and they're things that's around them and they you know things will they allow the things they allow things perhaps to get out of control mm-hmm. but you know um this concept of mindfulness as we understand it today because remember it's it's a psychological thing as well mm-hmm. um the best example for us is the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace be on him if you look at his early life prior to becoming a prophet mm. he used to go to Madhira where he would sit in a cave mm. offer prayers meditate reflect upon the divine reflect upon the stresses of life and he used to find comfort in that he used to find that that enabled him to uh, deal with things mm. in his solitude and that is why for example itikaf in the month of ramadan is such a, a, a remarkable thing mm. that you cut, cut yourself off from the world as such for a short period of time where you are actually bringing your mind and your soul together you're you're actually becoming aware of everything that's around you and and it does help it does you do become more relaxed in my case for example mm. um as i can give I can give this example that uh prior to myself devoting my life to serve uh, uh the jamaat the the amni muslim community to serve humanity mm-hmm. um as a missionary mom um i used to work obviously uh, full time and uh, i used to find the prayers the five daily prayers really really beneficial mm-hmm. uh, to help my to help my mindfulness I, when I used to have a someone have a stressful day, I might have had a stressful morning this day, and dealing with all things that are coming at me within those few hours of the day, and then when the 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 midday prayers comes about, it's I used to love going to the masjid, mm. 
mm-hmm. any mosque that was near me. Mm-hmm. And if I couldn't find a mosque that was near me, mm-hmm. I would find solitude and peace in my prayers where it would bring me back to reality. It would, would calm my mind, calm my soul. It would really relax me. And I would get up from that prayer going back, able to take on the next part of the day. So I think it's not difficult, for Muslims at least, it's mm-hmm. not difficult because you've got five times in a day where you can actually go before God Almighty and really what you're doing is become is being mindful of your day, of your moments of the day that maybe you were in a bad mood, in a good mood, you didn't help someone, you, you feel guilty about something, uh, you seek, you seek, you know, the, the, the help of the divine and it, you, you do actually feel better after the prayers. So I think it's not difficult. Um, I think from a mental health point of view, mm-hmm. breathing exercises and relaxing your mind and doing these things actually help in your in your daily life. Mm-hmm. Um, Imam Ibrahim, you have said that um, um, the five daily prayers have helped you um, uh, mentally um, uh, regarding your mindfulness. But for example, a person who, who's, not, who's not a Muslim, uh, he, is not even, he does not believe in any religion at all. And especially in this uh, day and age where the life is very um, busy, uh, very pacey, and especially, again, living in London, um, how can a person, you know, uh, you know um, be mindful, uh, be mindful uh, guarding their, his uh, spiritual uh, growth? And um, how can he find, you know, a time for such thing? If you want to convince such a person or if you want to give uh, tips for such a person who is not even a Muslim. Well, I mean, you know, um, um, there's a lot of information now out in the world and there was also in the past as well, but more so, more elaborated, more scientifically developed now from medical, health medical point of view. So there, people are aware of the many methods that can help them deal with stressful days, stressful life, mm. especially in the, in these days, yes. I mean, in my time as a young man, it was stressful, but these days I, I can really feel for those such people. For me, it's, it's if you're not religious, if you're not a Muslim, mm. it, it's, a, it's, a, 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 it's first understanding what is spirituality. Mm. That's the first thing when, when someone says, uh, have their spiritual state, so they have to understand what their spiritual state is. And um, if you look into this, um, and I certainly have over the years, having great interest in this area, by the way, from from a, uh, from purely from a, mm. um, I suppose a, a religious person, but also from a, I go back to the issue of martial arts. To, um, the other methods that people may use, like yoga, mm. um, like like meditating um like you'll find for example why such people who have stressful lives or or maybe um you know what's the word escaping my mind now other than stressful lives or 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 they're not coping with day-to-day stresses of life the realities of life um you know they will reach out to things like um buddhism for example, or Zen Buddhism, as an example, where 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 they teach people 
how to uh, you know how to become and control reality and become aware of them the, the inner their inner self their inner consciousness mm-hmm. and uh, you know basically bring them and keep them in reality that's what they're really doing they're, they're keeping them teaching them how to don't go too far into your future you don't know you don't know what's coming in front of you so deal with the reality of today rather than what's going to happen tomorrow and do this every day mm-hmm. so people will meditate people will find into meditation breathing exercises this is going to help them mm-hmm. people will find running going for a run during the day um, maybe a few times in a day maybe going to the gymnasium mm-hmm. um, all these things do help um, and that there's no doubt about these things help so I think for a person who's not religious mm-hmm. or uh, and you maybe the term spirituality, but then you have to understand what is spirituality. What what does that mean? Hmm. Spirituality does does spirituality mean that you're believing in something which doesn't exist? It's not really there, but it's the spiritual mindset of inner peace. Um, so you will find people having their understanding of spirituality different to religious people who will understand spirituality. Or yeah. spirituality for a religious person is. Is 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 actually um, connecting with with a higher entity, a higher divine being known as Allah, known as Theos, known as God, Yahweh, whatever mm. they may call it. Um, whereas um, a person who just focuses on spirituality in a in a point from a point of view of like a Buddhism concept or a Zen Buddhism concept. Well, they're just dealing with the whole cosmetic, cosmetic, cosmic realities of the universe. Um, they're actually, they're, they're actually, they are trying to tap into uh, something which they can't understand, which is a higher, higher being or with a higher energy, whatever they look at upon it. So um, that's the way I, 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 that's how I see it. Mm. I mean, if I, if I've met anyone who's not a Muslim, mm. <clears throat> I do tell them. That there is ben- there is ben- a great benefit in prayer, uh, in in offering a prayer to, the, to to God to God Almighty to a being, and they will find peace. They will get peace in time during that. Hmm. Um, and those who don't, who are not a Muslim, I I always then suggest say to them, well, try try you know meditation, try uh, running, try join a martial art club. Um, which will help you in your mind as well. So these are the only ways that I can imagine that you would be um, helping such people. I mean, you have really beautifully explained regarding uh, about spirituality um, and and getting getting to know your creator because uh, spirituality or your inner self has a direct connection with your creator and getting to know the your creator. Um, obviously you will increase in your spirituality uh, you will be more uh, you know kind of uh, mindful uh, regarding your spirituality and um, Imam Ibrahim uh, lastly what role does uh, faith play in mindfulness for, for empty Muslims and how can a strong faith um, foundation enhance the benefits of mindfulness for a better life Sorry, could you ask that question again, please? Sorry. Yeah, sure. Um, I was just asking regarding the MD Muslims. Um, 
uh, our youth how they can you know um, 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 a strong faith foundation enhance the benefits of uh, mindfulness practices for a better life um well faith having a strong foundation or having a strong understanding mm-hmm. of um what you are who you are mm. what you belong to um and 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 understanding that faith does offer you benefits of inner peace and can offer you benefits of inner peace mm. by by accepting and being very mindful of the existence of what what we call a divine the divine being what we call and uh, uh, identify as almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for me at least and for Amadis that I know mm. certainly it brings comfort to them throughout the day throughout the week throughout the month throughout the year they they, they are really holding on to that uh, reality and it is a reality it is a truth that exists that once you connect with uh, the divine entity, the divine being, um, and you are you you are becoming very mindful of uh, his existence, um, and he's the creator of everything, both you know metaphysical, both spiritual, both in every aspect of life, he is the creator of all those things, um, and therefore then you do get a sense of comfort that. He is the one who is in control of everything. Mm-hmm. And therefore, um, you know, only through him can you um, benefit in life. Mm-hmm. And yet, yes, we must always keep this in mind. And this is one of the things that I've, I've taken great comfort on in actually over the years. Is, it is Almighty Allah who told us he will, he will uh, test us from time to time, he will give us goals to achieve, tests to to overcome, mm. and he has he has clearly stated our wealth and our health, our families, etc., our loved ones, yeah, and things will go down. Once 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 a person, once an Ahmadi Muslim, mm. fully understands this point, um, and then when a test comes, certainly we have to hold, understand the point uh, as an Ahmadi Muslim. Um, thank you very much, Imam Ibrahim. Yeah. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> so that was Ibrahim, Imam Ibrahim, uh, Minister of Religion. Um, now uh, we are getting close to uh, to the end of our show, and uh, I would like to thank. Uh, um, our host Mumbai uh, <laughs> Zamini and our producer um, and researchers Anusha Nasir, Riba, Sara, uh, Nabila, um, Annie, and uh, especially our tech team as well, um, who are working tirelessly from. In behind the scenes, and obviously, don't forget to mention yourself. No, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> no need to mention myself. And, and obviously, our 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 guests who took the time out and and joined us uh, from from around the world. And yeah. uh, and sorry if you had to cut short on your interviews, uh, on 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 your on your on your questions. Yeah, uh, dear listeners, um, do stay with us tomorrow as well, and uh, we will go for the for the nine o'clock news.